y'all welcome back to the show this is the 80th underground brought to you by all day football what's up y'all i am your host chris and call me chaos welcoming you back to another episode as promised we will continue the grind before the season starts to get you the divisions all the teams in these divisions before the season to help you understand what's forthcoming we will be dissecting the NFC South in this episode, and I'm excited about this group too. I mean, there's so many talented teams in this division. I mean, it's going to be likely a three-headed monster race uh, pushed down to two um, uh, to, to be the cream of the crop to come out of this uh, out of this group simply because the talent pool is so loaded. And, of course, we will start off with... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I mean, why not? Because Tom Brady himself, the GOAT, the best quarterback there is arguably in the NFL ever to play the game. He took his talents from New England. He moved on to Tampa Bay. We know this. We talked about this. But now it's time to see it, see the proof in the pudding on the field. Will we see a magical conjunction of statistical achievement or will we see it flounder and not materialize? I don't think so. I think the the, the Buccaneers are definitely set up for success. We're diving into this show right away because I am excited excited about this group to dissect them so I mean let's go there Tom Brady you know this I mean we know what he is we're not gonna spend a whole lot of time I mean did we see some of his play drop off last season I mean the answer is yes age is definitely having to creep up on him we can't deny that the deep ball is no longer what it used to be um, does he still have enough in the tank to get it down the field I think he does um, I, I think he's he's obviously not mobile he never really was a mobile quarterback um, uh, but he will bring a different sound dynamic to this offense that we haven't seen in Tampa Bay. I mean, Jameis Winston lit up the stat sheet last year. 5,000 nearly. Was he 5,000? I think it was nearly 5,000 yards. He was 30 touchdown passes, but he was that 30 interceptions is what cost him his job in Tampa Bay because he just couldn't hold the ball. He couldn't. He kept turning the ball over. So now Tom Brady is the guy. He's going to bring that winning formula to this team with Coach Bruce Arians. They're going to create a system that is going to be very strong for Brady to succeed. Um, I, I, I believe this is going to be like uh, reminiscent of the Peyton Manning when he left Indianapolis and went to Denver. Um, I could foresee Tom Brady being the guy who's calling the shots more than Arians would. Um, I think this is going to be Brady's offense the way he wants to run it, and 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 we're going to see it right out the gates week one. So, I mean, for him to move to Tampa Bay – I really believe that this is all about the motivation, the ego. Can you win without your head coach, Bill Belichick, calling the shots? I think I truly believe. And, I mean, people want to argue it. That's fine. I mean, I, I think this is what he needed to continue his career, to be motivated, um, to try and win a Super Bowl with another club. That is the next area of challenge because, I mean, at this point, what else does he have to prove? He doesn't have to prove anything. He's a multi-time Super Bowl winner. He's, uh, I believe he's a league MVP. I, I can't say for certain without looking at the at the information but I mean he has a resume built like no other that is no question about it so when we start to dissect this offense the offensive line is not what it was that he will have this season to what he had with the Patriots I mean that was a staple in the Bill Belichick system to create men around him so that he doesn't hit the turf um, they're not terrible by any any stretch of the imagination they did draft Tristan and Worfs, um, and that's going to be uh, solidifying the bookends. Ali Marpet is still very strong. Ryan Jensen is a great center. So, I mean, it's not a terrible offensive line, but I think that's why he also brought Rob Gronkowski. He, uh, Tom, he is Tom Brady. He, he recruited Gronkowski to come back out of retirement, to come to Tampa Bay to say, hey, let's di- uh, give it one more kick at the can and see if we can win a Super Bowl with a different squad. What Gronk is going to do very well for this club is allow uh, him to stay on the line to block 
um, to help out. And then he instantly builds that chemistry with Tom Brady um, right out the gates. I mean, that is why Gronk is in Tampa Bay as well. He needed that familiarity. I mean, if something doesn't go right with the wide receivers, with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin, I mean, Gronk is going to be the steady playmaking player that that Brady can trust. And and we've seen it over the years. Um, Rumor has it that Gronk is back to full health, back to full ability. Um, is it coach speak coming from Bruce Arians? It might be, but I mean, he had he had lots of time off to to heal up his body to get back right. So I, I I can see that happening as well. But I mean, Tom Brady coming to the Buccaneers was a stroke of genius in that respect, and 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 he should definitely elevate this club. Why don't we stick with Rob Gronkowski? I mean, yes, he they still have OJ Howard, they have Rob Gronkowski, and they still have Cameron Brait. So they got tight ends for days. On this team, I think Gronk takes the lead job from day one. O.J. Howard may get a sprinkle from here from time to time. And then Cameron Braid is the forgotten man once again. Um, so, I mean, Gronk is definitely, like I said, he's going to be the 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 true uh, one that Tom Brady's going to look at in the most important times early on in the season. Until that chemistry is built with his receiving core because we didn't have the full training camp, the preseason, to, to see how the dynamics were going to be altered and shifted. But, I mean, that's why Gronk is there. I can see Gronk. We talked about this uh, before when it comes to fantasy football. I'm still high on Gronk on this in this uh, in this offense simply because of that connection with Brady with his buddy. I think that he's going to be relied upon heavily in the in the red zone. I think you could easily see perhaps his yardage doesn't go back to what he was back with the Patriots, but we could easily see a 700 yard season and around eight to ten touchdowns, eight to twelve touchdowns. It's not unfathomable because the def- opposing defenses are going to struggle immensely in who they are going to cover on this offense. But I'm going to jump into the running back position simply because it was of recent news. Leonard Fournette, and I pumped it up on a previous show that Leonard Fournette did sign with the club, um, and, and and this was just a, a, I, I was elated and ecstatic about seeing Leonard Fournette get signed to the New England or to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, uh, people want to devalue Leonard Fournette, and I still don't understand this whatsoever. I've written many articles about Fournette. Even going to the Jacksonville when he was still on Jacksonville, suggesting that he was going to still be a very talented, very high, heavy performer. A lot of people argue the fact that Fournette is a volume-based runner. I don't buy it. I think that he still has a lot of ability that he can. He's only 25 years old. I mean, what are we talking about? You're talking like he's been in the league for 10 years and he's washed. I mean, he's still right at the beginning stages of his NFL career. Yes, he did lose some time to injury, but I mean, majority of that came two years ago when he lost I believe it was what six games in that span so I mean you can't say that he's injury prone at all um, he, he has had ailments but in the other two seasons but he's a two-time 1,000 yard rusher how can you say that that hit that he's a he's a problem he, that he he can't get the job done on the ground that's that's just I mean come on that's just that's just wrong I mean it's not true based on the statistics that he has put up it is definitely not true so the difference is in why I believe Tom Brady had uh, a lot to do with the the Buccaneers signing Leonard Fournette to this team is because of Ronald Jones and others in this offense that haven't been able to hold on to the ball in the pass game. I mean, you still have LaShawn McCoy here as well. I mean, Shady is what he is. He was a, a healthy scratch in the Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was due in part to the fact that he struggled holding onto the ball. He started becoming a fumble problem, and and Andy Reid wasn't willing to trust him in the most important time. So now here with the Buccaneers, Shady does give you that other back that can play in the pass game, and and you don't miss a beat because you can still say Fournette is in the the backfield or Shady's in the backfield. Now you can say you you have a multidimensional backfield that can catch passes in the flat, which Tom Brady loves to do as proven with the Patriots. When it comes to Fournette and his receiving ability he showed us 100 targets 76 receptions last year he can now catch the ball he's improved that part of his game this is what i'm saying 25 years old only three years in the league there's still a lot of growth that hasn't happened yet for leonard fournette so i I can't buy any notion where people suggest that fournette isn't a sound true number one running back because he is he's proven to take the carries i mean 220 is no problem for 
Fournette. It, it, it's going to be, uh, I believe, a staple in this offense. I mean, he may start out slow out the gates because now he's got less than a week to learn the playbook. I get it. It's going to take a little bit of time. But even in week one, I could easily see 15 to 20 overall touches for him and, and possibly a touchdown because he is just going to have the opportunity with Brady running the offense and they're going to be on the goal line. He could smash that in from the one. I could see that happen more than once this season. And this is why I'm so excited for Fournette and fantasy football because of that newly offensive high octane power that's going to get them in the red zone frequently and then you know they're going to just pound the ball in with Fournette if they have to or it'll set up the play action pass and you kick it to Rob Gronkowski just so many options you have and I haven't even dissected the wide receiver position you still have Mike Evans you still have Chris Godwin and I really believe that the third wide receiver position is still up in the air even though they said Justin Watson has the upper hand and then you still have Scotty Miller the speedster he has a apparently the upper hand as well on rookie Tyler Johnson I am ecstatic about this Tyler Johnson kid. I mean, if you didn't see him, he's the rookie coming out as well. The Buccaneers took a shot, and I think that you're going to hit a slam dunk, and you're going to see exactly what Johnson can do when he gets on the field. He is loaded with ability. And you will see it. It's just about how many targets will he be able to get. So from my scouting profile, my tape watching I did on uh, Tyler Johnson. He is from Minnesota, by the way, if you didn't know. He's got a great body type. He's got very strong hands. He literally snags the ball out of the air. When the ball's around him, He just he's rough. He just takes that ball down. Uh, contested catches as well all over his tape. He's got a very good release. Very strong route runner. His double move is fabulous. I, I, I was smiling ear to ear every time I saw him make that double move. Uh, he's got some good juke to him, and he has a second gear and breakaway speed where he starts a little bit slower when he comes off the line. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic when he gets the ball. Um, I do question his off-the-line burst. Like I'm saying, it takes him a little bit of time when he, especially being pressed up against, uh, against press coverage, he will take some time to learn that uh, nuance of the NFL with better talent. So, I mean, that's where his improvements are going to have to be had. And, I mean, it might be a little bit of a stretch, but my comp for him was Juju Smith-Schuster. I really believe they have very similar traits, very similar skill sets, and the Buccaneers just got themselves another fabulous weapon. But, I mean, Justin Watson, he's no he's no slouch. And then Scotty Miller's got that speed for days. So if you had to have that field burner on the field, you can throw Scotty Miller in there. But when it comes to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they have proven, and Godwin, he had the breakout last year. He proved he could be trusted upon. He proved he was a playmaker, and Mike Evans is the staple of consistency. We haven't seen Brady play with a core like this since the Randy Moss, Wes Welker days. Um, we all know how that panned out, but I mean, that was that was prime Brady, right? I mean, so do I expect it to be touchdowns galore through the pass? Uh, maybe not like it was with Randy Moss, but I still believe that you're going to see a very high powerful high octane unit that opposing defenses will struggle to stop um, but they do play in a very tough division so I mean it's gonna it's gonna come down to that when it comes to the defensive side of the ball this is a very underrated underlooked defense people are sleeping on this crew and they shouldn't they really shouldn't sleep on these guys whatsoever fantasy football players wink wink I mean this is a defense to be had in the later rounds and it becomes because this defense is so strong in the run game they finished off uh, first overall versus the run and of course it's because of Indomitian Sue and Vita Vea I mean these guys were just lights out when it came to help and stop the run they're just phenomenal players William Goldston is still there Jason Pierre Paul is still there I mean when you talk about a front four this talented and this loaded with power I mean how can you not uh, think this defense is going to replicate what they did last season. When you talk about the linebacking court, Levante David was still there. I mean, Shaquille Bar uh, Barnett, he was your sack leader last year. So he's coming off the edge. And then they, they drafted Devin White a season ago. So when you talk about this front seven, they are literally loaded with talent as well. When you look at this team on paper, it is like a Madden team. I mean, how can we argue that? They are loaded from end to end. But when it comes to the secondary, I mean, this is where we could kind of say this is where the hiccup begins. 
Um, it's a little concerning for me, but I do like Carlton Davis. He is their number one defensive back. You have Sean Murphy bunting. I mean, he is okay. He's upcoming. I still want to see a lot more from him before I make my endorsement. But Carlton Davis, I think he got enough learning from last season that he will up his game in 2020 and he will be trusted upon that much more the safeties i'm not overly excited about with justin evans and mike edwards but you do have antoine winfield jr the the son of antoine winfield former buffalo bill and minnesota viking i mean the bloodlines are there antoine winfield jr is gonna be I think a starter for this club, if he doesn't break it by week one, I think it's going to be around the week three, four mark. I mean, he's that good and he can definitely change a lot of how they run this defense. It's it's kind of like the Tyron Matthew effect um, in Kansas City. He's just going to be the, the quarterback in the secondary that's going to allow the front seven to just do damage all over the field. Um, so, I mean, with Tom Brady in this offense, able to move this ball with high regularity, high frequency, this defense is going to be rested. And that's even more important if you're if you're watching them, if you're a fantasy player, you're going to see the defense with fresh legs all the time. Um, so, I mean, from Tampa Bay's perspective, um, every game outside of this division, I think uh, with weaker clubs, you're going to see them just roll. Um, uh, in the division, I think they're going to have a little bit of a tougher time in two contests against these guys, their rivals, the New Orleans Saints. So for my appetite, I have been saying this all off season as well. I really do believe that the Saints have perhaps the best overall built uh, roster uh, from top to bottom. I mean, there really isn't much weakness. They've added to this uh, offense. They've added to this defense. If there's a weakness on this club, perhaps it's the linebacking core, but I mean, they still got talent. Um, the offensive line is still very strong. They, they uh, solidified the center position because of the retiree. And, I mean, they locked it up with Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. I mean, he's just going to fit in day one. No question. He's going to be the guy. And, and you still have Andreas Pete. You have Armstead. You have Ramchek. I mean, this offensive line is just loaded. I love it. I think Ruiz is going to be playing the guard position as it stands right now, but he's interchangeable. He can play the center position. Uh, but, I mean, again, this offensive line is just beautifully uh, constructed. And why is that? It's for Mr. Drew Brees. So here's the thing. We have a two 40-year-old quarterbacks playing in the same division. I do believe that is an NFL record. Um, Drew Brees, much like Tom Brady, they are getting up there in age, but Breeze didn't show anything of a massive decline whatsoever last season. He broke NFL records. The arm strength still looked like it was there. Um, his accuracy, he was over 72% passing completion, which was hovering around career highs. So, I mean, his, his accuracy hasn't fallen off. And, of course, you have such a stellar offense with the guys like Michael Thomas and you added Emmanuel Sanders. So here's the thing. Mr. Gluhans, Michael Thomas, has a record-breaking performance last year, and it was simply due in part to the fact that they didn't have a, a supportive number two wide receiver to, to lighten the load. Traquan Smith hasn't done it yet. I'm still questioning it now if he can get it done. I don't think it's all there for him. They Outside of depth, they had to go into the open market. And, and they, they precluded to add in the draft, so they went into the open market and they signed Emmanuel Sanders. I was literally, I'm not even a Saints fan, and I was legit running around screaming with happiness because I know how good this team is for fantasy football. And when you add a player like Emmanuel Sanders to this offense, it just opens up everything that much more for Michael Thomas to do damage. Even if the target share does go down, um, for Michael Thomas, you know he's going to be a steady, reliable target. He's going to get you the 1250 to 1400, uh, 90 receptions easily. I mean, he is going to be fed on a weekly basis. But now what does that do? It allows Michael Thomas to see fewer double teams because Emmanuel Sanders still has the ability. He showed it last year coming off the Achilles. He wasn't worse for wear. I mean, the overall speed might have been a, took a little bit of a hit. But he was still able to find room in the zones against man-to-man. -man. I mean, Sanders is still your guy. Now you put him up 
with Drew Brees. We saw what Sanders was able to do with Peyton Manning in Denver. Do I believe he's going to get over 1,000 yards? Probably not, but I wouldn't see anything out of the question to see him get back to the 750, 800-yard range with anywhere from 65, 75 receptions. I mean, that's how much they can spread this ball now. Um, so for outside of that, for the receiver position, I mean, Traquan Smith is going to be, I believe he's going to be the forgotten man again. He'll have a game or two this season as a, as a threat because teams will not be keying in on him. Um, so, I mean, that's that. Um, but outside of that, I don't see much from this receiving core. I mean, Austin Carr is still there. Um, Emmanuel Butler. But, I mean, you have a couple rookies that may or may not make the club because uh, teams were cutting down their rosters to the opening day. Uh, I believe it's 53. So, I mean, th- but still, with Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, all Saints fans should be tickled pink because this is just going to add to the to the dynamic nature of this offense. And not to forget the other man that they have, the receiving tight end, Jared Cook, who, who did perform admirably in that secondary role, but it was clear enough that they needed somebody else. So now when you have Michael Thomas, you have Sanders, you have Jared Cook, this is a very viable way to use and run your offensive system we saw it back in the day when they had jimmy graham marcus colston and more i mean we saw this this is a a replication a recreation of what this offense can do when they have the the firepower on board and i'm ready i mean these games between the buccaneers and the saints are just gonna be fire i we it, it should be lights out uh slugfest uh, I, I can't wait. I mean, we get to see this twice a year, Brady and Breeze. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is going to be fabulous, fabulous football. When it comes to the defensive side, so here's the thing. I said about the Buccaneers, their weakness was the, the secondary. So for the Saints, I could suggest that the weakness should be um, the linebacking core. But, I mean, you still have Kiko Alonso, You have Demario Davis. And then you have this kid, Alex Alazone. So I was a little bit shocked. I mean, they did have Nigel Bradham in. They signed him to the club, and I thought this was actually beautiful. A very smart move because Nigel Bradham is that speedy guy. Um, He can play both coverage and run stopping. He's proven to be a, a very sound tackler, and they released him. So that pegs uh, my thought process to go into the fact that they saw a lot out of their rookie, Zach Bond from Wisconsin. He's 6'2", 238. He's 23 years old. I mean, he runs a six or a four six eight. I don't really know if I like that. That's why I, I really liked when they brought in Nigel Bradham because he is actually the speedster. So clearly he didn't fit into what they wanted to do, but obviously they saw enough in this Bond kid to 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 believe that they could let it go and then roll with these four linebackers. So when I say it's a weakness for this defense, I say that with a, a cautiously optimistic outlook because Demario Davis I mean he can do a lot himself Kiko Alonso to me I've seen enough to to know what he is um I'm not overly convinced that he is a superstar by any stretch like he did in his rookie season but uh, uh I mean he's got enough he's got enough to 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 this defense has got enough to hide his inadequacy I should say because I mean he isn't a stellar stellar athlete uh, talent anymore after all those knee injuries but when it comes to the defensive front here's where they make their money once again Cameron Jordan one of the best defensive ends that nobody talks about it just feels like nobody talks about Cameron Jordan at all but yet week in week out he's in the backfield he's slamming down the quarterback and he's making plays for this defense Sheldon Rankins is still on this club you have Marcus Davenport obviously Rankins and Davenport had some health issues last season hopefully they get back on track and and we're going to see a full plethora of pressure hitting offensive uh, uh, opposing offenses where, where the quarterback and the running backs are not even going to be able to breathe with these guys coming down their throats. When it comes to the secondary, this is where they got an uptick even more. So they signed Janorius Jenkins last 
last uh, season when he had that problem with the New York Giants where he, he said some uh, a statement. I can't remember exactly what he said, but obviously it was controversial. It wasn't uh, viewed upon as as favorable for the Giants, so they packed him or, or let, sent him packing, I should say, and and he was on the open market. Didn't stay there very long as uh, the Saints picked him up. So Janoris Jenkins is still on the club. You have Marshawn Lattimore, who is one of the better defensive backs in this league. So you have that tandem now, the one-two punch at the uh, corner position. Then you have still Marcus Williams as your strong safety. He still played very well. They signed DJ Swearinger for depth. You still have Patrick Robinson waiting in the wings. PJ Williams is still there. Um, So, I mean, you have a lot of depth now that you didn't necessarily have um, in the past. And I think this will bode very well for the uh, New Orleans Saints this season. And I didn't even mention Malcolm Jenkins coming over from Philadelphia. The Eagles cut him this offseason, and he goes back to, to New Orleans where it all began. And I think this was a stroke of genius for the New Orleans Saints. So, I mean, why do I say that? I mean, he is 32 years old. I mean, some can argue that the ability is starting to taper off. But you now have the experienced quarterback on the defensive side in the secondary that will dictate terms. They didn't have this outside of maybe Kenny Vaccaro. Vaccaro was very good, but he wasn't that lights-out safety that you're looking for that's going to take you to the next level in terms of bringing the team together. So... I really like that move. I think it's going to bring the secondary to a whole new level of play. I think Jenkins does does a lot of things well to hide inadequacy or inefficiency within a secondary, and, and I think it's just going to be uh, music to the ears of all Saints fans, and you're going to see this defense be uh, top-notch this season, and, and, and we're in for a show, especially when, it, like I said, it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints playing those two games against each other. So before we crown a champion, let's not forget about the Atlanta Falcons. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Falcons are as stacked as the Saints or the Buccaneers are because that would be just a bold-faced lie. Uh, let's not kid it. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i still a believer in the Falcons simply because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm somewhat of a closet Falcons fan, I, and it's simply because of Julio Jones. I am the biggest Julio Jones fan. I love everything about his game. I mean, he is the prototypical wide receiver that I would start. If you gave me an option, if I was a general manager and I had to start picking a team to to build my roster, Julio Jones would be on that team. Um, No kidding. No questions. I, I love everything about his game. He's physical. He's fast. He's got great hands. His route running is superb. He can out jump anybody. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And he is still on this club. And, and, and that gives me a massive uptick that they will still compete in this division. I mean, so I'll start with the wide receivers. Might as well, since I'm talking about Julio. I The, the problem is that everyone knows that Julio Jones has been underutilized in the red zone, hasn't been able to do it. So Dirk Cutter came in from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last season. It was his second go around with this team. He's been the Falcons OC before. And, I mean, you can see he did change this offense to be uh, uh, better and utilize the talents that they have on the field. Julio Jones was the primary target again. He was fed in the appropriate situations. His his touchdowns did climb, but he still hasn't been able to consistently get over those 10 touchdowns per season, and that is going to be the only knock on his career when it's over that he wasn't able to produce in the end zone. So now this year you do have Calvin Ridley. He is coming up. Everyone's speaking about Ridley like he's going to be the next blow up like Chris Godwin was last season. I mean, I was a truther of of Calvin Ridley before a lot of these analysts were, and I'm going to put that out there because I took a lot of flack for it. They said, no, depending on where he lands, sure, but he is never going to be a consistent number two wide receiver. He's not that good. And I kept preaching the route running ability. Calvin Ridley's route running is just that good. He will blow defensive backs out of the water. And look, this is what we're seeing. We're seeing this now. And now everyone is on the bandwagon because it is another year. He's going he's gonna to see the target share because he is the true number two. 
and 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 we're gonna see it's gonna happen. I agree. Ridley is very talented. Can he get over a thousand yards? Can they? Can Matt Ryan support two one thousand yard wide receivers? They haven't done it since two thousand twelve when Roddy White and Julio Jones were a tandem. I could see it. And I mean, playing against the the Saints and the Buccaneers, you're definitely gonna have to put up the numbers to win week to week. So we'll see how that pans out. But, I mean, when you have a one-two punch like they have, I think that's a a very good start. When it comes to the third wide receiver, they have said that this was an open competition. They brought in Laquan Treadwell, uh, the draft bust for the Minnesota Vikings. I heard he was released uh, because of uh, roster cutdown day, and now this leaves the door wide open for Russell Gage. Don't sleep on Russell Gage either because he is a very true sound slot receiver. If they can consistently feed him the ball, he will give them an option that they haven't had in quite some time to have the triple threat, to have this uh, this team beat you through the air this way. I think it's, it's, it's going to work out extremely well. When it comes to the offensive line, I mean, this line is still very strong. So when you talk about Matt Ryan being healthy and staying upright, this offensive line is the reason. Jake Matthews, James Carpenter, Alex Mack, Chris Lingstrom. I mean, these guys are skilled. Caleb McGarry, he he improved last season. He showed extremely well. This offensive line is put together to make plays, to stop the opposing defenses from coming in the backfield and I, they're going to have a challenge like I said with those defenses I mentioned with the Bucks and the Saints but they have an offensive line that will do very sound things adding to the weapons continuing to add to the weapons uh Hayden Hurst a trade this offseason with the Baltimore Ravens I think this was magic um, when you knew Austin Hooper was going to price his way out of town, get a massive contract elsewhere, which he did, signing with the Cleveland Browns, they went shopping. Uh, General Manager Dimitrov went shopping, and he snagged a deal to get Hayden Hurst. So we heard Matt Ryan discuss the talents of Hurst, and he says that he hasn't played with a with a tight end this uh, athletic since Tony Gonzalez. And, I mean, that is high praise for sure. I've been a Hurst fan. He was drafted in the first round for a reason. I mean, let's not kid it. It is there. He just never got the fair shake in Baltimore because Mark Andrews beat him out. So if we're saying that Mark Andrews is a better tight end than Hayden Hurst, okay. I mean, that's not saying like he's terrible. Andrews is a very well put together tight end and and he would beat out majority of the tight ends in the NFL. The difference is Hayden Hurst is extremely athletic for a man his size. He catches the ball very well. His his receiving uh, catch percentage is well over 70%, um, uh, I believe, from last season. So you can't tell me him going into an offense, and people have tried. They've tried to argue this point over and over again, saying that Hurst is not going to be as successful as Austin Hooper. He's, he's much better put together than Austin Hooper is. Hooper is a very slow, he's a big body, and, and yeah, he can make plays. But when you put the athleticism to Austin Hooper, if you gave Hooper a 4.540 and and athletic ability like Hurst has, then let's have that conversation. But that isn't the case. Hurst is very strong, well put together, and I think he is going to do a lot of damage in this offense with Julio Jones, with Calvin Ridley. I think you're going to see a blow-up of sorts come to the tight end here in Atlanta. Again, adding more pieces to the puzzle because they knew that if their defense isn't as strong to stop the likes of uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, they needed to add more weapons, and that's exactly what they did. They signed on Todd Gurley from the L.A. Rams when they released him this offseason. So, okay, we have spoken. We have written about Todd Gurley as well at nauseum, but we'll we'll continue to discuss this because of this show. Um, Todd Gurley... The problem is, is those arthritic knees. I mean, the knee condition that will likely never go away for the man, unfortunately. Um, it's a, a, a it's going to be a problem. We saw it last year, but as the year progressed with L.A., we did notice that Gurley was able to run outside more often. He looked like he was that north-south runner um, that changed from being the multidimensional running back that he was with L.A., and he could only go north-south. 
that kind of changed as the year went on. As he started to feel more comfortable, it looked like his knees weren't as 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 hobbly as we had thought, and he was able to make outside runs look more uh, uh, casual, I should say, than 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 before. So what Todd Gurley are we going to get in Atlanta? It is still to be seen, but I think this is a massive upgrade for this offense. When you can actually have, and this is what they didn't have last year. So, I mean, you know you had uh, Devontae Freeman. He he got hurt, and there was nothing left in the tank there. So you really had patch-made solutions with Ito Smith, with uh, Brian Hill. I mean, this is this is what you had. So when other opposing defenses know that you don't have a strong running attack uh, to support a pass game that's high octane like they always are, I mean, you bring in Todd Gurley, and if he can get back over 1,000 yards and he is still a viable weapon in the pass game also, um, this, this, this makes this offense that much better. Um, how can you not believe that? You add Hurst, you had, add Gurley, your offensive line is still good, and then Matt Ryan can start slinging the ball. So when we start discussing Matt Ryan, I still like Matt Ryan. I think he still has skills. The problem with him is that he tends to turn over the ball in a system that is in the first year of its installation. This has been his problem his entire career. I mean, we saw with Dirk Cutter before, his interceptions were a lot higher because Cutter allows uh, his quarterbacks to uh, be more free, to throw the ball in places he wouldn't normal other other coordinators wouldn't normally advise. Um, but in year two, once Matt Ryan gets into the second year with his offensive coordinator, this is when we see the comfortable uh, nature in his game come out. We start to see more chances being took. We start to see the efficiency rise. And this is exactly what I truly believe is going to happen to Matt Ryan in year two with Dirk Cutter here in 2020. So, I mean, I'm not writing him off at all. I think we're going to see a very well put together offense this season. Barring health, of course, is always always the stipulation we got to throw out there. But with a healthy Todd Gurley, even if Gurley is at 85 to 90% of what he was back in the early days with the Rams, I'm still not going to sit here and tell you that I'm not excited about this offense. I truly am. They will be able to compete with whomever they're playing against, and and that includes the Bucks and the Saints. I think it's it's going to be a very fun show and I uh, showing and I wouldn't count them out whatsoever. The issue that lies with the Atlanta Falcons is on the defensive side of the ball. So they have had massive change over here. They had to add uh, to the secondary. We've seen injuries to their main guys, Deion Jones, Keanu Neal in the past, and that completely takes away the entire season of uh, uh, any type of progression or statistical achievement because that is the problem. Once these guys go down, I mean, they don't have a lot of depth in the cupboards to make it happen and to continue down. So like I mentioned, I mean, improvements needed to be made. We'll start on the on the defensive front. And when you looked at this roster before, um, they were missing pieces. They didn't get enough pressure. Sacks were hard to come by. You did lock up Grady Jarrett. He is your main guy. You have McKinley. He is a good outside rusher. And then you added Dante Fowler Jr. from the L.A. Rams, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, I mean, that was a big, big move. I mean, because outside of that, you have Brian uh, Allen Bailey. I mean, I'm not overly excited about him being on the edge, even though he did perform admirably you drafted marlon davidson i'm not overly excited about him but i mean he he apparently has talent that i haven't seen yet and i really am looking for on the field this season but adding fowler to this defense gives you a a, another dynamic of edge rushing a a, a appeal and potential that you will be able to get to the quarterback it's going to be a big uh, a big improvement for what we saw last season when it comes to the linebacker position Deion jones is your guy i mean uh uh, they have this other guy, Ala Wakun. I mean, I don't know much about his game. I would like to have dissected it a little bit more. But, I mean, he is 6'2", 229. I mean, he's second-year pro. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think that this could have been a place where they could have added a lot more depth. He does run a 4-4-8-40, so I don't dislike that because for linebackers with speed, it's always a positive but again, you have Dion Buchanan. I like him more at this point. Um, I've seen a lot of depth charts that are putting uh, Ola Wakin on the 
lead for that job, but I think Buchanan, Dion Buchanan should jump back in should that man stumble. Um, but Dion Jones is your force at the linebacker position. He changes everything in the middle of the field. He is your run stuffer. He can play coverage. He, he does it all. I'm, I'm a huge Dion Jones fan. Um, I think he's if he can stay healthy and stay out of the medical room, I mean, he does a lot of things for this defense, allowing uh, players like uh, uh, McKinley and Fowler to do damage off the edge with uh, Grady Jarrett in the middle, stuff in the run. So, I mean, that is improvements for sure. Deion Jones was lost for, for some of the season last year. So, I mean, when he comes back, it's going to be a, a very big uplift. Keanu Neal was another player, like we mentioned. He went down with injury, completely derailed and changed how this secondary looked. Now is uh, Desmond Trufant no longer on the club. He is on the Detroit Lions. They went out in the draft and snagged Clemson product A.J. Terrell. I like this guy, 6'1", 195. He's a young cat. He runs a 4'4 in the 40. He's he's long. I mean, he's rangy. I, I, I like his talent. He's got enough strength. He's good in the cover three. He's good in man. Very smooth backpedal. I, I liked his ability a lot. Anybody that's coming from Clemson nowadays seems to uh, have the ability like they did uh, when they were picking off Alabama players. Clemson is starting to become that that school where you could get uh, very talented players, and he is one of them. So when you're replacing a guy like uh, uh, Desmond Trufant with A.J. Terrell, I mean, it's like uh, you're not going to really miss a beat. Yes, rookies are going to stumble from time to time because they're learning the NFL game, but I think he is a very sound pickup, and and he will be used uh, quite often. So again, Keanu Neal is in this secondary. You still have Ricardo Allen, who I don't dislike, but I mean, they could have upgraded at the free safety position, brought in somebody stronger, but again, cap problems did limit their options. You still have Isaiah Oliver. I like this guy a lot. I was a big fan of him coming out of the draft last season. I think he's got skills. He's from Colorado. Again, another six foot two hundred pounder. He is good. Four five two. He's not overly as fast as his teammate AJ Terrell, but he still is able to make plays. Uh, I saw it last season, and and we should definitely see it again. They did sign Dennard from. Uh, I mean, Denard hasn't materialized like he he should have been when he was with the 49ers, and then he moved on to the Bengals. I I could say that there was times where he was good, but I mean, uh, we'll see how it is now. The the Falcons really needed that depth in the secondary, and that could be seen as one of the greater weaknesses as youth uh, uh, over talent is the problem. It's, it's, It's a very youthful group, and mistakes will be made if that front seven can't get enough pressure at the quarterback, uh, which could bode to be a problem, um, forcing the offense to be that much more productive uh, in scoring points. So to finish off the division, it is the Carolina Panthers. This was the big one. They let go of Cam Newton. He is now no longer on the club. He is playing for the New England Patriots, like everyone knows, and they signed Teddy Bridgewater to the club to take over. I really scratch my head at this move because it's not that I dislike Teddy. It's just the fact that I don't believe he is anything more than maybe an above-average game manager. I think that is kind of where he falls into my head. Yes, he played with the Saints. He took over for Drew Brees when he went down with that broken thumb. And... I mean, okay, it's the Saints. I mean, it's Sean Payton. That's like putting any quarterback with Bill Belichick and they're going to make them successful. We saw it with Matt Cassell back in the day with Bill Belichick. I mean, this is this is the standard. When you play with coaches with that offensive pedigree, you know what they're going to be able to turn out with lesser talent. Do I believe Teddy's lesser talent? I think he's a good talent, but I just don't think the overall game is there to believe he's going to take over and be better excuse me, than what Cam Newton was. Um, I get it. They wanted to change directions. They have a new coaching staff. Matt Rule comes in. Joe Brady is the offensive coordinator. I mean, so you have college offensive output there with those two, and 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 it's offensive output. So, I mean, could they turn Teddy into something? Obviously, they were excited to get him over Cam Newton, so they're, they're basically handpicking their guy, but – I, I really, really have my question marks to to see what he's going to be able to do. Yes, he does have an improved receiving core. They brought Robbie Anderson over from the New York Jets. 
DJ Moore is turning into a stud. Curtis Samuel's still there. I mean, Farrell Cooper's there. So they have talent at the wide receiver position. I mean, DJ Moore looked like a stud with patch-made solutions at the quarterback position last season. Kyle Allen and company. I mean, this is Will Greer. This is what they got. I mean, DJ Moore still performed well. Robbie Anderson adds a dynamic to this team of speed that you desperately needed, and it helps the, the Christian McCaffrey camp know that he won't face as many stacked boxes because the speed is there. Robbie Anderson will be able to kill you if you play him one high. I mean, that's that's just how it is. It will be that way. DJ Moore, I, I think... I think that he might see something of a regression simply because Teddy may not be as efficient, but I mean, it's to be seen. It's a new offensive system. Um, it's going to come with headache and pain. Um, you're going to see uh, mistakes happen. I mean, this is just what happens with a, with a rookie head coach in the NFL and a new offensive system uh, being, being installed. The offensive line isn't terrible. I mean, I wish they would have done something. They traded one of their guards away, um, uh, one of their better guards away uh, to the to the Chargers, I believe. So it was for Russell Okun. Yes, that was the deal. And and Russell Okun comes in to be the left tackle. So they they got rid of their guard to to bring in a tackle like Okun to help uh, uh, solidify the bookends. Uh, Matt Paredes comes in as their center from Denver. So, I mean, there are improvements to the line. I just I don't think they're as good, uh, especially in this division, to make them uh, to make them seen. Um, when it comes to the tight end position, gone is Greg Olson and in is Ian Thomas. Uh, Thomas is a decent, decent play. I, I, I don't dislike him either. Um, I really want to see consistency. His hands at times look like bricks. Um Dropping passes, his route running is definitely not there yet. Um, his blocking ability can be questioned also. Um, but when he comes to being that receiver in the pass game, when he does catch the ball, the speed is there, the size is there, and the mismatch is there all day long. So he will be utilized for sure with uh, Teddy Bridgewater, and that could be perhaps the, the greatest improvement uh, because that will be his safety net for uh, plays that go astray. Of course, how can we discuss the Carolina Panthers without discussing one of the best running backs in the entire league in Christian McCaffrey? I mean, fantasy football glory. This guy scored nearly 500 total PPR points, which is insanity. I mean, do we expect him to blow up like he did last year? I mean, he's going to still have a very strong season. There's no question about it, Um, but I mean... It was 471 full PPR points the anomaly? I think it was. I think we're going to see something of a regression. Um, yes, he did it with lesser quarterbacks than Teddy Bridgewater, than Cam Newton. Um, so I mean, it's there. I mean, it's, it, he he pro- he's proven that he can he can do it all by himself and do it well. But I think uh, the coaching staff they'll they'll ride him hard. But I mean, I don't think that they're going to overuse him like he was used last season. But I mean, with Christian McCaffrey. You still will be able to get some offensive push um, throughout the season. Um, But I really, really question and want to see proof what Teddy Bridgewater can do again as a starting quarterback because he still has he's been waiting since his injury I mean I'm rooting for the guy because of that he's come a long way when he broke his leg it looked like his career was basically over and he's climbed all the way back to earn another starting role so from that perspective I'm definitely rooting for him to do some good work and and we'll see but I question it from playing in this division new system again like I'm saying I think it's going to be some hiccups along the way when it comes to the defensive side of the ball I I mean, this is a, I don't want to say a full crap shoot, but I mean, they, they lost a lot of talent this off season. Uh, a lot of the talent jump ship went to the Buffalo Bills. I mean, if you look at them, they're almost the Buffalo Panthers right now. So uh, uh, they do have Derek Brown. They drafted him. This guy was the replacement to be their nose tackle. Um, he's a big man, 6'5", 326 pounds. He is just a bull from Auburn. This guy is going to make waves from day one. He's going to make you take notice right away. Then they got Uter Matos Gross, or Gross Matos, excuse me. He is the other rookie that they drafted to bring in Penn State defensive end, 6'5", 266. I mean, he is 
4.57 speed. I mean, when you're coming off the edge that fast, Gross Matos was uh, highly recruited, highly underrated. I mean, the scouts were passing him by. Um, I like his game. I think he's going to add a dynamic in this defense, and we will see him uh, probably start the season off as a rotational player, but I think he could easily win out that spot over Stephen Weather- Weatherly. I think I think that'll be done about the midway point of the season. They still have Kwan Short. They still have Brian Burns, last year's rookie linebacker. Kwan Short is off the edge as well. I mean, so they still have talent. At the front, at the front seven, uh, uh, Shaq Thompson is your inside linebacker. Along, they signed Tahar Whitehead uh, from the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, that's gonna be definitely much added umph in the in the linebacker position that they desperately needed. So it's not terrible, but you have youth. You have a lot of youth on this defense, um, and it, it's gonna be seen. When it comes to the secondary, I mean, you have Deontay Jackson. He's a decent cat. You have Trey Boston. He played well. But then you have Eli Apple. I don't like it. I think Eli Apple has shown us more than once to what he is, what he cannot do. And if we thought the Carolina Panthers' defense was roasted and torched last season in the secondary, I mean, get ready for another one. It's it's an encore and a half that's going to happen because they will truly, truly struggle to cover anybody, especially if that front seven can't get pressure on the quarterback. So, I mean, from the cupboard's perspective, from the depth perspective, they will struggle. If they have any amount of injuries, they're going to be hard-pressed to fill them with quality talent. But this team is definitely in transition. This is the plan. They have good pieces to start with, but this is the plan for Matt Rule. He's going to eventually change this team to be how he sees in his vision. And this year, with the, with the teams in their division, I mean, they're going to be hard-pressed to win many games. Could we see them go 0-8 in this division? Or 0-6, excuse me. I, I could definitely see it. Um, they could lose all the division games and be struggling to even to contend for anything outside of next year's draft class uh, when all is said and done. But I wish them well. I mean, from the fantasy perspective, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, probably my two guys that I'm, I'm highest upon. Uh, Curtis Samuel, I, I've heard, is not having the best camp. And, and it's, I mean, he's kind of let me down. I had big hopes for him as well. As for Robbie Anderson, I mean, you're probably going to see a very similar stat line where he's around the 50 to 60 catch mark 750 yards and then he'll get those long touchdowns uh, from time to time but I mean this division is very very strong and we could definitely see three teams come out of it I would not be shocked if the Falcons find their way to come out but they're going to have to split some games uh, between the Bucks and the Saints to get there so, I mean, that is the NFC South. We cleaned it up nice. Hopefully for you, you understand what the teams have on the horizon, what they're dealing with. So, I mean, we will close it out on the next show with the NFC West before the season starts as we are less than a week away. Exciting time. So, I mean, on that note, that is the show. Thanks for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. Thanks for all the listeners to for listening. We truly appreciate all the support. And until next time, stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out.